Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with the Seven Power Contractor, Al Levy. What's up, Al? Yes, I'm back for a second episode, and I always say you can fool people once. It's really hard to trick them twice, so <laughs> thank you, Corey. And even more honored than that is we're recording this on Corey's birthday, so he's got an exciting life if he's decided that I should be part of his birthday celebration. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, Al, I think most people that know you would absolutely understand why I would want to spend this birthday. So look, I have every year I do, I record with somebody and I told you this, and I wouldn't blow and smoke up your ass. Every year, whoever it is I choose, it's somebody that I found find extremely interesting. I've never had a two, two-part person. And so... I handpicked that person because that's who I want to be on the show that day. And I think you have such a fascinating story. But let's dive into what we were talking about right before we got on. Yeah. I was talking about the scars that we have as owners. It was kind of what we were first talking about. And then it led to our last podcast was really digging deep about what gets in our own way. It's not a matter of information. It's not even a matter of connections and things of that nature, contractor to contractor and contractor to consultant. There's just plenty of that. But if you're not ready for it, and I was not ready for it for a very long time, it's actually very flattering. Guys who have worked with me go, oh, I wish you had been here earlier. And I go, you weren't ready. I know the, the same thing about when the student's ready, a teacher will appear. That is true. So part of what Kari and I were talking about is you got to work on yourself. And when I say you got to work on yourself, I swallowed that medicine because I needed a lot of help because I was really very busy blaming all of you guys for all of my failure, whether it was a competition and whether it was the marketplace or whether it was my customers or my employees, woe is me, look how miserable things are. I wasn't looking for my next meal. So of course I know how fortunate I was, but that's not how I felt every day. I felt this incredible pressure. And then as you, when you're ready, one of my great friends, an excellent contractor looked at me one day and goes enough. I go, what do you mean enough? He goes, the only competition you have is the guy you saw this morning when you were shaving. And I just stopped and took a breath. And for the first time, and I'm sure I had heard this before, but the, for the first time, I let it wash over me. And then there was a great course that I was in, Corey. Did an exercise, lucky enough to go to enough training. The guy said, put your arms out in front of you as far as you can. He goes, you control nothing outside your arms. 
You only control what goes on in the inside of your arms. Here's the great news. The most important stuff goes on inside of your own arms. And that changed things for me as I began to understand that, yes, if I could make the changes myself and I could start putting the things in place and take control of what we all hate, but we all know is true, take control of what you can and learn to understand what you can. But you have much more power than we think. I realized that. And I had to go through this journey. Yes, just like my clients. I wish I had known that earlier. No kidding. <laughs> so you bring up such a fascinating point. It's such a really timely point in my life. And I'm going to share this with you. I, outside of the organization, I, some people are weird about referring to the organization, but let's just call it a 12-step program. Yeah. I got sober almost 14 years ago. And I did it through AA. I guess I just let the cat out of the bag. It exists. It's my program. I guess I could talk about it, whatever. Yeah. The point is. I don't see why. I don't see why. Because more of us, especially in this industry, that is a problem. Even though there's other drugs and addictions like we talked about. Mine was a weight addiction. It's just how we feed what we need. That's right. Well, so about after about six years of being in that program, I graduated myself up to running my own meeting. And it, when I say my own meeting, understand that's exactly what it was, my meeting, right? I was running the show. And so I kind of I kind of hit the, the top, so to speak. Little did I know I was so far from the top, it wasn't even funny. Yeah. And so what I've come to find out over the last six years or so, six and a half, seven years, whatever the number is, not being in AA has kept Corey in Corey's way. I can't even tell you how many times. And until last night, I'm sitting in the meeting. I just started going back about three, four months ago after a recommendation of, or a guy said, doesn't matter, I won't get into that. But I realized last night that we just have to do the work, right? We just have to put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes you're going to have to do some uncomfortable things and getting sober was one of the hardest things that I had have ever had to do. The great news is I have zero desire to have a drink today. It's Corey is the biggest problem, right? I get in my own way. It's not the drinks, the furthest thing, but it's those life things that you have to watch out for. That a lot of people in maybe not even in sobriety don't even realize especially if they've never been through a program like this, they don't, they don't, a lot of people don't understand what alcoholics do understand. And it sounds weird, but if you understand anything about alcoholics, then that should make, hopefully made sense. Yeah, it does. And before you guys out there are listening and go, what's this got to do with anything? Here's where I'm going to help you out. It's got everything to do with contracting and owning your business because it's what addiction flavor do you want? And I was so proud of myself, I could work anybody and everybody under the table. Putting in 100-hour weeks is no kidding. I could do that week on week when I was much younger. But still, can I? to this day, I can outwork a lot of people. <laughs> and, but I had to stop one day and ask myself, why am I working on this at this pace and this level? 
Yes, there's things that you have to put the time in. I firmly believe that. And you really apply yourself and the rest of it. But sometimes it's just we're feeding that addiction in a different way. Mine was food. I couldn't do it on my own. I had to go to Weight Watchers. Thought I had it, Corey. For three years, I had the weight off. And so all brilliant people, I drop out of Weight Watchers. <laughs> so you can imagine I've ridden that yo-yo. And credit to you, you dropping out and still staying sober is no small thing. So whatever your addiction is, and there are no shortage of those, these get in the way. But getting to the why. And one of the things that came to me years ago, again, being in a seminar where I was allowed to detach from my business and me for a minute, the guy on stage is talking about, would you ever talk to one of your employees as you talk to yourself? Because the dialogue I was saying to myself was horrendous about yes. how I'm not perfect, how I'm not doing stuff well enough, not fast enough. How am I letting down the team? And I mean, it would just go on. And you know, there's, I think my yoga instructor, there's 30 or 50,000 thoughts you do in a day, and they're remarkably the same. They just come in a little different flavor. So you don't know, but it's really the same. And it's attacking everything that happened to you. I believe it was the Jesuits said that give me your child from age zero to seven. I own them for the rest of their life, you know, which at first sounds, you, you got to be kidding because I'm a grown up. Well, you are and you aren't. A lot of, and I always tell this to is why don't we do stuff? We don't do stuff unless there's a what's in it for me. What do I get if I do? What happens to me if I don't? And you're looking at somebody in their 60s, and I still am a six-year-old. Because I want to know what happens to me if I do, what happens to me if I don't. And all of you who are listening today and watching, you are exactly the same. So until you help heal yourself, however that method is and whatever help you need, you're going to be hearing the same bad soundtrack over and over again. Actually, I think I, I don't know if I shared with you the last time, but I, when I would finally get the leadership power, which is the last thing I did. And we talked about why that is, is because you're swimming in a pool, you're drowning. I'm not teaching you swimming right now. So leadership, part of the exercise was to take out a clear yellow legal paper, because it is a writing exercise. There's a hand to brain connection. So I make them write down and I go, I want you to write down every negative thing in your head right now on this page. Here's the trick. You have to go fast. So you don't filter yourself. Goal is fill this page up. You know, I'm too old. I'll never lose weight. Nobody's going to help me. All of the stuff, it's amazing how these guys, all of the, because I do it with the team, pour it out on the page. And then I go, rip that page over. Now I want you to restate every one of those negative things in a positive way. So I go, I'm not too old. I still have plenty of time. I'm more productive and more knowledgeable than before. And so that nobody's going to come to help me. I have a lot of people who want to help me, but I have been sabotaging and I will no longer do that. So we have this terrible version and then this great positive version. And then what we do is you get to choose what method you will get rid of those negative thoughts. So we actually did a contest at one of the Drain franchises. It was, it was so much fun. There was this huge group. So who in innovative ways, being in the drain business, one guy took it and flushed it down the drain with a big hose and chased it. Another one out in the parking lot, set it on fire. And I do want you to have a fire extinguisher if you choose that. <laughs> one went down the shredder. I mean, it was just, and what I wanted them to do is see themselves literally 
shredding those negative thoughts and then hanging on to those positive thoughts. And whenever your bad day happens, I want you to be looking at that, what I said in a positive way. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. That is super effective. You took it actually a step further than I thought you were going to take it. I thought what you were going to say was, and this is what I do. Let me say, this is what I try to do. If I get in that space, I take, take, like you said, I just take a note by this book and I'll just start writing. And I don't, like you said, I don't filter it. I write down whatever is in my brain. And what that does for me is it empties out all that crap. And by the end of it, I'm not really thinking about all that stuff I wrote down, but I don't take it a step further, which I will from now on. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a great lesson that I was lucky enough to learn along the way and pick up some tips. And it's amazing when you're not sabotaging yourself and closing yourself off what your own self can let come to the surface in a good way, because that is part of the thing. So let's get it down to stuff that you guys are going to relate to a little bit more. So because Corey and I were talking before about I was awful at sales. And the reason I was so awful at sales is I thought I had to be somebody else. And so best salesperson I ever met, and to this day, probably the same, was my dad. And I I mentioned before about that. He was very quiet and he would talk very softly. And people would lean in and he had a smile on his face the whole time and a really good listener, a great listener. And I tried to be that person when I first started. I was awful. Awful. And because it just wasn't me, the authentic person. Now, I'm not saying that, yes, good sales training tells you you have to adapt a little bit to who you're with, but you can't become such a chameleon that you lose yourself, your authentic self. So the better you work on yourself and the healthier I got, magically, my sales got better because I was allowing myself to return to who I was. I'm an, I'm, energetic and passionate. And I am still that way today. And so when I would start, (laughs) I'm going to laugh, I'm laughing, Corey, because you'll appreciate this in sales. So I would get into a conversation with a customer and I'd ask great questions and give great solutions. And I would passionately give them what I thought was the very best solution. And they would interrupt me and go, sounds good. When can we start? I go, I'll get to that in a minute. I do love that. I absolutely love that. How long did you wait before you would circle? Too long. Unfortunately, I was really good at rescue. So it wasn't as tragic as it sounds. Ultimately, I always just tip to guys like myself when I was doing sales training is that as I was very shy, which we shared the last time, you know, selling at my shoes and all these other bad sales habits. So when I finally learned to talk, I found out I really liked to talk to the point that I never shut up. <laughs> and so what is rule one in the sales 101 thing is 
ask a question, shut up, let them talk. Because when they're talking, they're buying. When you're talking, you're selling. So I'd ask a great question. And there was a little bit of silence there and didn't let them process. And I would jump right in. So there was no space. Everybody, all of us who were in sales, we hate dead air. And the worst thing we can do is talk next. So what I learned to do and what I've trained guys who have that same problem, because be surprised, so many people do, is I used to bite my lower lip, but very gently to force myself to wait for them to speak. And whatever you think you need to do. Now, be aware that can become painful if you're not paying attention. But it was a technique that I learned to finally become a better listener. I believe the best salespeople are the best listeners. I totally agree with you, 100%. And I also believe that a lot of people, when you say, well, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that, you know, that have this, that don't, can't, they don't have the skill of active listening. You didn't say exactly like that, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. I oh, think yeah. a lot of that, I know that most, a lot of people in our industry, and I think I mentioned this last time, we have ADHD. And here's the thing, all right? I'm as ADHD as any human being could possibly be. I have, it's everything that I can do not to interrupt somebody, anybody, because I always think, or this is what I tell myself, I'm going to forget what I need to say. So I feel, I don't say the next part, which is really, I just think what I need to say is more important than what you're saying, right? That's really what you're saying to people. Yes. And so many times you talk about couple counseling is when the other person is talking, you're already building your defense. So this customer is talking and you're already figuring out how you're going to respond to them rather than listening and trusting yourself. One of the techniques in sales is so so much a technique was once I began to trust myself. And again, this goes back to the beginning is part of my negative things is I did not trust myself, even though I had earned my way to the front of the class. So it wasn't like, I'm fake, or they'll find out I don't really know what I need to know, or all these negative thoughts. I had done the work. Trust me, I had done the work in the pit, every other way you can think, on a frozen roof. It wasn't like, oh, I shouldn't be talking about this. No, I had earned the way, but you still have to resonate and feel that. And so in my own company, my guys were not selling machines. They just had their head up, their shoulders back. They were dressed right, the professional, and their thought was, because I helped them plant that, was who better than us can take care of these customers the way they need to be done? I'm going to go today, ask good questions, listen effectively, and make good recommendations in their best interest. And magically, sales happen. Oh, wow, look at that. And it's happened at every place that I've ever trained sales on. And that will work no matter what size company you have. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Principles are the same. Yep. What do you think gave you, do you remember if there was a defining moment that you said, oh, like the confidence, let's just call it confidence or not trusting yourself or when did you have that? Was it, was it what you were mentioning earlier is when that light switch come, came on or when was, when did that happen for you, you think? Yeah, I think what happened was one of it is it's actually been a series of switches. <laughs> so think of a, a series of switches. One of them was finally realizing that I I have to make eye contact. And 
I went to class and I had to learn and go to class. I had to go to Dale Carnegie School, which was a life-changing event for me in more ways than I thought. I thought, oh, it's just going to help me relate to people better. It's going to help me be a better employer. It's going to help. No, it changed so many things in my life. Being better communicating with my own kids and my wife and things that I had not even thought about. Becoming a way better trainer so that I could make great willing apprentices with no skills to willing techs with great skills. All of this was in the journey, if you will. And that's part of this thing. I know, just like you know, it's fun to go to Google, look something up and get the answer immediately. (laughs) We are trained. I can wake up in the middle of the night and I go, you know what? I'm really craving donuts. Where's the 24-hour donut place? And I can go out and get it. Sales and training and working on yourself is an evolving process. And so the process helped. So there were... I was always going up, which is the great news. But the thought of going up, people go, it's always a direct line. No, it isn't. I got up, plateau, up, plateau. And that is still progress. And so I had to get to these places that I could find. My client actually many years ago told me a great thing. He goes, before you came here, I found that every time I opened a door in my business, there was another problem hiding behind it that I didn't know. And he says, with our work, We have resolved a lot of those problems, but I thought that would be it. And now what I'm finding is there are new doors I didn't even know existed that when I walk through them, there are problems. But my confidence is so strong now. My foundation is so strong. I trust that I can walk through these doors and find new ones and do the same. One of my other great things was my great friend who was a great industry guy, Dan Hollihan, he said to me one day, he goes, Al, you just talk about problems because the government changed this law and that's going to be a problem for you. And one of your competition did this and now you have to measure up and you see everything as a problem. Here's what I'm going to recommend to you. See a problem as a challenge. See a challenge as an opportunity. And I would write that down over and over. Problems become challenges challenges become opportunities. And every time I allowed myself to go that path, I was already close to figuring out how to make this into an opportunity. It's that mindset change, right? You got to make that mindset change. But you can't can't make the mind, but you got to take the first step. And the only way to do that first step is you are probably going to have to muster as much will and as much mental strength as you possibly can in order to make that next mindset shift, because it doesn't necessarily happen at the same time. No, it doesn't. Yeah, but it goes back to what's in it for me. Because either the pain has gotten so great that you wake up and go, I cannot do this one more day. Or the gain of wanting to reconnect with people that you've chased away out of your life, either on purpose or by accident, doesn't matter. The result is the same is I now want that so badly. I'm going to do what it takes to get that. You're right. And you know, here's the, here, I want everybody to really listen to this. You don't have to believe everything that you think. So if you're listening to Al and what he's saying. But that is so great, Corey. Say it again. Don't believe everything you think. All right. It, look, our brains will 
absolutely unequivocally without a doubt lie to us and tell us there's not a problem, even though we know the damn closet with the problems right there. We know it's right there, but we will tell ourselves it's in the closet. We're good. And all that pro- you're just prolonging. And I, I'm so I'm guilty of this. Like, I, oh, I, I'm not perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no. And until it festers and until it gets painful enough, you don't change. Right. Or there's enough reason or gain that you see out there that I will no longer not have that, what I want. And uh, so as you were saying that, I was thinking about uh, there were times that I would arrive at a consulting client and they were in trouble. They wanted to bring me there or the good times, of course, is they're good and they're growing. They want to keep going, but they want a foundation to platform. So once in a while, I'd walk in and where would I find the contractor in their warehouse? looking over all the inventory that they had collected, which of course has got them confused. We're in the plumbing, heating, cooling, electric, roofing business, carpentry business, whatever we're in. We're not in the warehouse business, but why are they there when all these problems exist? Because it's all mine. All of it's mine. And it makes me feel like I'm successful, even though the numbers tell me I am not. And so what should they be doing in terms of work? So I literally had to pull them away from the warehouse and get to the desk. And we start the, back in those days, planning power, which was the 360 degree view of their company along the seven powers, right? And so that's when the direction begins to change because you have to let go sometimes of things that you have always had or desired or attached to, to go get the things you really want and desire. So for me, part of my stress came from, I have to do this. I absolutely need this. And one day, just sitting around, like you talked about, writing paper, and I said, how can I change the have to and need? Because it's just driving me crazy. I can feel my blood pressure rise. And I wrote down, I want to. I like to. I love to. And all I did was put those words in front of whatever it is that I needed to do. So there's times now I've been putting columns out since 2002. So it's 20 years of writing columns. And I still love it, but it's still a chore. People don't realize that. Blogs, articles, Facebook posts. And there's times where I know I'm delaying. And I am not a procrastinator. Not I used to be an awful procrastinator. And I can talk about that in a second if you remind me why. But then I finally got really good about action and doing stuff. And finally, I say to myself, when I'm stuck, I go, remember why you started writing. Because I would love to help other people who have are in my shoes, the ones that were so uncomfortable. If I write this, if I share this, there's a chance that one, 10, 100, 1,000, million people, there's a chance that I can help them too. And when I do that, Corey, magically, magically, over and over again, it flows. That makes sense. Totally. And effortlessly, lots of times it flows effortlessly. Yeah. One of the hardest writing assignments I ever had. <laughs> this hang with us, guys, because it's gonna go a little dark before it gets bright. My dad passed away, he was 84. Up to 80, he was great. I mean, incredible. Uh, but he had asbestos, which is a token of the heating industry that we had worked in. He hadn't touched a boiler in 30 years. So when they say 
Do you pay a price for being in the business? Yeah, you can. So he passes away and I was very lucky. One of my great friends comes up to me and says, look around this funeral home. There are 500 people here today for an 84-year-old man. These are his customers. These are the vendors that he touched and changed their lives. I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up about it because that was his goal. His impact was to leave this place better. And so I was, my family is, I'm the youngest of six. <laughs> and so they're deciding who should get on the, to the podium and speak and do the eulogy. And they all look, turn their heads and go, Al, you should do it. <laughs> and so I was asking them questions. You know, what do you want me to say? What do you want to say? And I tell you, it was so overwhelming and overloading. And I'm at home at my computer and I go, I just got to let that go. And this moment I let it go, electricity in my fingers, I kid you not. I am a spiritual person, not religious. Hit the keyboard and it just flowed. I got done with this thing and people go, how long have you been preparing that? I go about an hour, but probably my whole life. <laughs> and you have to let it go to let it flow. 100% correct. Because as you mentioned earlier, we can only control what's, as you said here, I've always just thought of it here, but either way, if you can't touch it, you have zero control over it. Yeah. But we have so much more power than we give ourselves with once we can lose our own self-sabotage. And even if this whole idea, I was starting to come back to procrastination. So why? Because people know I'm a get it done guys today. But you don't know my whole story. You're looking at a couple of pages in the book, like all of us do. Right. You've met me along page 200. You don't know what happened in the beginning. So I procrastinated because I wanted everything to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, I wasn't going to get it out there in the world. And so I was always causing a problem. One of my greatest growth moments was when I got to the end of the day one day, I just said to myself, you know what? Good enough for today. I'll make it better tomorrow. But this is going out. And that was the first time I could let it go. And the second way I would say that I also incorporated that new feeling was I learned to say to myself, I'm willing to lose a battle to win the war. So you're right now, the people are texting you every minute, interrupting your day, and you blame them, but I blame you because you've allowed that. You haven't done the things it takes to empower them so that they're free because of you, not them, to interrupt your day all day long. And you are addicted, like all of us, to this where we're going to look at it all day. And as soon as, even if it lights up on your desk and you don't even look at it, your mind is gone. Studies have proved of this. It's gone for a minimum of 20 minutes. So you have to learn how to block time and then do constructive work that you set out to do in the, I prefer two hour time blocks. Yes. I, to that exact point, I've found myself sitting with, this new AI stuff, I've just been in, in, engulfed in it, right? And you get lost. And here's the thing, like, it, you may not, if you're listening to this, they're the first of it anyway, we're talking about alcoholics, 
and eating issues. Guess what? Like I alcoholism. Absolutely. And so I can just as easily convince myself to sit right here. You need to get this one more thing done. Don't go to the meeting tonight because you got to get, you know, what if, and I'm like, dude, stop. So one of the things to your, again, to your other point, I have, I don't think about what I, if I, if there's a thought that comes in my mind that I need to do this thing, I go and do it right then, no matter what I'm doing for the most part, right? Because if I procrastinate or if I just want it to be right, it's like that first book I never put out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd never had a book out either. Exactly the same thing. And it was way harder to make that book thin. It's really easy to make a big fat book of confusing stuff and just stuff it and make it bigger. It's way harder. One of the best business books, people always ask me, what's one of your favorite business books? And without fail, I go, who moves my cheese? They go, well, it's only like 40 pages. And I go, it's the fat best 40 pages you ever read and you will read it over and over again i don't have much above my desk other than my family stuff but i still have the things from the handwriting on the wall about who moved my cheese because i look at that and ask myself am i letting change happen it says it right there am i monitoring looking for change there's such great wisdom and it's that's really kind of the thing this guy decided you know what? I have to write a 500 page who moved my cheese. It would be a million times worse. Yes. Sometimes you don't have to say a lot to get the point across. Right. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Al, I like I spoke at the national PHCC event this past year and I finished my talk like eight minutes early. And I just looked at him and I'm like, nobody got upset when somebody cut off early. Right. And they just all kind of looked at me like, well, we're not sure. I don't know if anybody's ever said that to them before. Probably not. But they look confused. But I've never been upset when somebody cut out 10 minutes early. Have you? No. You know what I've been upset about is I've agreed to be here. And now you have such great knowledge. You're never going to let me get out of this chair. And I don't <laughs> agree with it. So I have the 10 golden rules for meetings that I constructed years ago. and. One of them is start on time. I don't care how many people are in the chair, because otherwise you told everybody who's in this chair, you're an idiot for getting here early. That's right. You excuse everybody's bad behavior. So start on time. And the second seminal rule is end on time. I don't care what is fascinating beyond belief, but end on time, especially in these things where they have to get to the, get a cup of coffee, get to the next thing. You know, it's the factory of where you're running back and forth. It's really insulting. But all things, Corey, I was lucky I had great mentors come in my life. And I went to great training. And one of the things that they taught me was about put in time extenders and time cuts. So in my presentation, only I know, it says TE and TC. And I know where I am in time. So I know if I have time to kill, I'm going to time extend with a story. And if I know I don't, that story's gotten shelved. But you out there are not seeing it. So this speaks to the discipline for you guys of having your presentation set up when you're going to see somebody, but don't be so rigid where it's step one, step two. And one of the great sales training I went to is somebody arrives at the door and you've been trained to 
engage in a conversation, talk about their dog and their flowers and whatever else to build a connection. And he said, what are you going to do if they're on the phone and they just go like this? Are you going to just stand on the stoop and go, I'm not coming in until you get off the phone because I got to talk about your flowers? Probably. Some people for sure. I guarantee you some people for sure are going to go, sorry, we cannot skip step one. I wonder if that comes from, and this is kind of what we were saying earlier about the self-talk. I wonder if that comes from just letting ourselves down so many times that Sometimes, and I've been in that situation where I have let myself down so many times that I'm like, but it's just not like, this is probably not going to work either. And then I future pace the failure. <laughs> well, part of my sales training was always about, because I take it from my own personal experience and then both as a big ticket salesperson and also as a service tech at my own company selling. And I got to really become really good at diagnostic of my own stuff. And what I would do is I would roll my truck about a block away so the customer couldn't see what am I still doing there. And and I would say to myself, what did I do really well? Do it again. What did I not do so well? What could I improve on in the very next call I go to? And then what I learned to do and what I share with people in the seminar as as an illustration for this is, Corey, if I asked you to walk a mile, could you pick up a rock about this size and put it in your pocket and walk the mile? And the answer is yes. How about if I told you every block you walk, you have to pick up another rock with you? How's it going to go? So this is what you do. If you get one or two no's, the human nature is to sit at your own truck, look out to your passenger window and go, this person's not going to buy either. And you already have condemned or you will make that your own bad reality because you already implanted and you're going to prove yourself right by hurting yourself and them. Because they really wanted somebody to solve this problem for them today. That was your job, to come up with a solution to solve their problem today. But you already decided what they will and won't buy without going through the system, without asking good questions, without writing their answers down, without looking at the whole job and doing a survey and making good recommendations and making them know what is the best choice, what are some good choices and only give them those opportunities so they don't hurt themselves. Because if we are not good as salespeople, they will hurt themselves. So one of my oldest sales stories, of course, I hated the moment, but I was lucky. It happened when I was 25. I was at a customer's house. His name was Mr. King, and I am not making that name up. His (laughs) name was Mr. King. And I'm at his house, and he wants something, a heating piece of equipment, and he wants to be able to make hot water. And I go. Well, the best one that will do that is this make and model. And he goes, but I want what I have at my commercial buildings that you serve. And I go, they make really great commercial equipment, but very poor for this thing. He goes, are you going to give me what I want or not? And immediately the video of my and my above my head was what my dad told me. The customer is always right. So, of course, I sell it to him. I only have to wait a week, Corey calls up and he goes, I'm not getting the hot water I really wanted. So I go over myself to make sure it's all working. And it is. And I go to him and I go, everything is working according to specs. This is why I didn't want to sell this piece of equipment. And he looks at me and goes, well, you should have been more assertive. (laughs) And that's how everybody feels when you have to go send one of your guys out back out to a job. Every customer feels that way. So 
again, good lesson at 25. I said, this is not going to, I said, the customer is always the customer, but they are not always right. So what I built into my sales speech, and I've taught so many people in sales training to do the same thing, which is, Bari, I so appreciate the opportunity to be here today to look over and provide great solutions for you. Here's what I can promise you. I'm not going to let you make a bad decision today. I put it in the front of my speech. So if they wanted to back stuff out and it could fit the budget and it didn't, I would do that. I'd make it hurt a little bit, but I would get to a solution that they would want or have other solutions that I could recommend, all of which I can stand in front of. But if they wanted me to do stuff like change the right faucet, not the left faucet, and they're both 25, 50 years old, I go, I totally understand why you want that. But here's what you need to know. We won't do any work that we can't stand behind, that we can't make sure that we are protecting you. So if we can't come to, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm just going to say goodbye. And I taught my guys to do this with a lot of role playing. Would you like to know how many times they couldn't get to the door before the customer said, all right, come on back. Let's do this. I have no idea. Probably a lot. Yeah. They maybe got to the door five out of 100 times. Five out of 100 times, maybe. And thankfully, those five were insistent about they wanted a bad repair that we couldn't stand behind. And all it would do is either bun an insurance callback and all of the bad things you don't want. So, uh, yes, I was actually sorry for laughing, but I'm thinking about it opened up another page. When I was young, our insurance agent was a great friend of my dad and my uncle. And he was kind of like our uncle as we came into the business. Because he was there regularly. We had a 70 huge amount of trucks. And uh, I was full-time in the business finally after I came home from college. And uh, he says to me, have you learned the secret of business? I go, no way. What's the secret of business? He goes, ah, finding out the 5% of the customers that will cause about 90% of your headaches and then make them go away, but in a nice way. It's kind of like dating. Corey, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but what what is that 5%? How bad does that affect an organization? My guess is you might... It's nothing. Nothing. No, I mean... I don't say that 5% is a powder keg. Sure, no, it, but it, demoral- you know, positive, it demoralizes right? your staff. And actually, I got really good at, <laughs> uh, it was a New York City union shop, but finally, I just had enough of this. And I said, we always talk about our employees are the number one customer, right? You've heard that tagline for 100 years. Yes. And so put your money where your mouth is. There's a time to fire a customer. If they're on the phone and they're abusive to your staff, the CSRs, the dispatchers, the tech, no matter which one. Now, look, everybody can have a bad day. I'm not talking about a bad day, but every interaction they have with you is a problem. Or there's a house where it's a hoarder. It's just loaded stuff. It's it's toxic, literally, to go into. Cats are climbing over. This I'm not judging you as a person. Don't hear that. But it was an unsafe and unsanitary thing. And I had to go talk to customers and explain. But in my case, it was easy because, as I said, we're a union shop. And ultimately, they get to vote on places that are unsafe or unhealthy, not passing personal judgment. If you're willing to clean it up, we are more than happy to continue on service. But I did train my staff. I said, periodically, we will fire a customer for things like this. But we don't want to become so great at firing customers. 
Definitely yes. not. Yeah. But there's a time where you have to stick up for your people. Absolutely. As the owner, really, your job, your really, your focus should be the people. And then your people's focus needs to be the customers, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. So, and if you, if you treat your employees well, they'll treat your customers well. Yeah. Uh, Some of the biggest and best guys that I've worked with over the years, Corey said exactly that. As a matter of fact, when I sat down, this was early in my career. Again, I was lucky. A lot of stuff happened early in my career. A great contractor. And he just said to me, you know what, Al? Magically, the better I treat my employees, magically, we get better and better reviews. My company grows and gets more prosperous every day. And to this day, he's still there and they are still exponentially growing. Now, having systems and platforms and things that we did that allow his people to get better has, of course, accelerated that. But at the essence of it, you can have all the greatest systems in the world. And if you have toxic people and you're treating them poorly, <laughs> it's not going to work. Not going to work. Not now nor ever. So, yeah. So, and shave it. And here's where people get stuck is they think, well, and I'll just give you a real-time example of a company that I was working with. It was a moving company. And we had a I, he's, same thing, a complete pain in the ass customer. And he had convinced himself that she was 40% of the revenue. And I'm like, well, it just, it just really doesn't add up. So we had to go through the numbers, right? We had to make sure. And we, after drilling down, it was less than 5%. And I'm like, do you realize like she rattles every human, every single one of your employees? They hate her. Yeah. Like just cut it, dude. Just cut it loose. And and finally I, I'm did. so glad you got it to the numbers. So yeah. I know we're running out on time, but I'm going to yeah. talk about perception for one second. Please. So my brother Richie. And my brother, Marty, my two older brothers, um, we decide to make a change to one of our policies. And we were always pretty careful about going small before you go big. And we were testing it out. So we changed this thing and it gets in place. And I, of course, I'm the driver of that. And Richie walks in to the office. He had been out in the field. He comes back in 9 a.m. 9 a.m. It's important to listen to that time of day. Okay. And here's exactly what he said. Everyone is calling today about this. And I just sat back and I go, really, let's just examine that. We have 7,000 customers. It's nine o'clock in the morning. You spoke to 7,000 people, Richie? Oh, you know what? I'm going to say, how about 10%? That means you spoke to 700 customers today. I'm going to be even more generous. There's 1%, 700, 70 people. You spoke to 70 people by now. It doesn't... It's human nature is it's so aggravating that it feels so monstrous. Is And until you, there is one of the beauties of knowing numbers and making it, reducing it to the ridiculous, which was here, about what it was. It's just so aggravating because like we covered before is as human beings, we think we are logical, but we really make decisions on emotion, and then we defend it with our own logic. That is exactly So fix your emotions, right. or you're going to make some bad logical decisions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And look, I promise, like, if you just get rid of some of these things or work on some of these things, if you're struggling with, we covered some addictions, or if you are getting in your own way, or any of this stuff made sense today, all you have to do, literally, just put, move the one rock. Right. Don't move them all. Just move the one rock today and then worry about the rest of them tomorrow. 
right? If that's at least going to be one solid step and to the to the right direction for tomorrow. Al, I appreciate you, man. This has been <laughs> such a conversation. This is always so much fun and it's such important stuff that we don't usually get to talk about. And I'm so honored that you gave us the opportunity today to talk about some really deep, important stuff. Yeah, I love systems, no question about it. And I believe in platforms and the rest of it. But I also believe what Corey and I are sharing here is you got to be ready. You got to do the work and you got to help your people do the work to really leverage the systems the way that you can. 100%. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.